0: Okay, Verizon says it's 9.30. Let's jump back into the book of Acts. Good morning. Great to see everybody. I'll move it up a little bit. Let me make sure. Yeah, if I turn it on, if I turn it on, that helps, doesn't it? Great, great. Let's jump back into the book of Acts. hate to stop your conversation around breakfast. Look at chapter 4. We finished chapter 3 last week. And uh, beginning chapter 4, today, uh, we see the results of Peter's preaching. Uh, he preached He preached Jesus as the uh, Jewish Messiah after the healing. The healing attracted a crowd, the healing of the lame man attracted a crowd uh, there in the temple. We're still in the temple. Uh, he preached Jesus and... Um, as is typical in the book of Acts, as is typical in church history. Uh, Preaching Jesus usually creates persecution. Um, Again, don't miss the fact that uh, more people died as martyrs for Jesus Christ in the 20th century than any other century in Christian history, because there's more Christians around the world now. Um, It's never been a very safe thing in most of the world uh, to be um, Christian. You're going to see why in this text. You're going to see what it is in this text that <clears throat> angers people. Um, and it's still true today. still true today. So, um, here's the result of Peter preaching Jesus after Peter and John healed the lame man. They're there in the temple. And you see what happens. Chapter 4, verse 1. As they were speaking to the people... Here comes the power. Here comes the power players, the priest and the captain of the temple. The captain of the temple is uh, the second most powerful person behind the high priest uh, the, there in the temple. The captain of the temple sort of ran the logistics of the temple, ran the temple police, kept, kept the uh, peace and order there in the temple. So here comes the priest those who are officiating under the high priest, the captain of the the temple, and the Sadducees uh, came upon them. Let me say a word about Sadducees. Um, Sadducees were not Pharisees. They're different. Uh, The Pharisees, let me start with the Pharisees. Um, Pharisees were a group of uh, Jewish religious leaders who uh, loved... the the law, love the word of God, love the scriptures, love the Hebrew Bible. Uh, They used all of the Hebrew Bible that was known in Jesus' time, uh, which if you're Jewish you call the Hebrew Bible the Tanakh. It comes from an acronym that means Torah, Netavim, and Ketavim, which means uh, the the, the law and the prophets and the writings. Uh, So if you go to a Jewish synagogue and have a Bible study, they they won't tell you to bring your Bible, they'll tell you to bring your Tanakh, but what they mean by that is your Old Testament. Uh, the Pharisees had all those writings, and they esteemed and used all those writings. And they um, did a lot of work that became known as the traditions surrounding the, 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 the laws and the writings and the prophets. For instance, uh, what a Pharisee would do, uh, they'd you know, show you in the Bible, the Tanakh, where you shouldn't work on the Sabbath. Then they would help you define what work is. So, um, the, And you see Jesus doing some of that. Jesus very much functions like a Pharisee. Uh, he probably fought with that group a lot because he was a lot like that group. Uh, for instance, in the Sermon on the Mount, when you hear Jesus saying, you have heard it said, do not murder, but I say unto you, if you have hate in your heart, you're committing murder. He, that's the way a Pharisee would work. He would show you the word of God and try to help you understand it. Uh, they had a Hebrew word for building a fence around the law of God to help you understand it. Sadducees are different. Uh, Pharisees are just like Bible study leaders running around um, the, the, the nation. They'd even be up in the Galilee. They'd, they'd be wherever you found Jews. Um, Sadducees are different. Sadducees are arch-conservatives in their day. They really don't want to deal with the prophets or the writings. They only want to do the the, the Torah, the the five books of Moses, the uh, the Pentateuch. They, they esteem that more than they esteem anything else. Uh, and that's why, and you'll see it here in the text, that's why the Sadducees... Uh, being purists who only want to deal with the law of Moses. They don't believe in resurrection. They don't believe in angels. Uh, And I'm sure there are things they didn't believe in. They didn't believe in anything that they couldn't find in the law of Moses. Now, again, the Pharisees, uh, they would use the prophets. They would use the writings. The the, the documents we call the writings would be stuff like Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, um, Job, so they would use the whole what we call Old Testament, but Sadducees didn't. Sadducees just uh, esteemed the law of Moses, so if they couldn't find it there, uh, they rejected it. You're going to see one of the, well, you're going to see it in the text. But what you're going to see in the text is one of the main reasons the Sadducees are coming after Peter is he's not just preaching Jesus, he's preaching Jesus as the beginning of the resurrection. And they don't believe in resurrection. Uh, so the Sadducees are um, arch-conservatives, using only the books of Moses. And but what you really need to understand, Sadducees, uh, best we can tell, they were pretty much limited to Jerusalem. They ran the temple. They ran the temple. So they were the aristocracy among the Jewish people. They ran the temple. They were about the only group that were thriving under roman domination because when rome wasn't in town and you know pontius pilate and the roman procurators uh they 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 kept their headquarters at caesarea maritima uh, which is still there it's on the coast beautiful 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 city with some beautiful ancient ruins and if any of you have been to caesarea maritima you, you know why they kept their headquarters on the mediterranean coast but they would go to Jerusalem, like for holy days, to keep the peace. But when they didn't show up in Jerusalem, when when uh, the Romans were there in Caesar and Maritima, who ran the city of Jerusalem? Well, the Sadducees did. Um, they were sort of the puppets of the Romans, and that's why they they were the aristocracy. You can go to ruins of Sadducean homes uh, or surrounding the temple, and they lived in. Great luxury. So they were the power players in Rome. They were sort of the puppets, I mean in Jerusalem, they were the puppets under the Roman Roman uh, occupiers. Uh, they ran the temple. It was from them that the high priest and the priest came. So when something, particular, when something happened in the temple, it was the Sadducees who got excited. Uh, This group that you're looking coming here after Peter is the identical same group that went after Jesus. I mean, that only happened a few weeks before this, and Peter knows that. Peter's going to remind them of that. So this is that same group of Jewish religious leaders uh, who came after Jesus. Now they're coming after Peter. Because he's preaching Jesus, he's preaching Jesus raised from the dead, and they don't even believe in such. So it really complicates their theology when they say they don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And it appears a dead man got up and walked just a few weeks ago. And that just complicates their lives on so many levels. So the Sadducees, the temple authorities, come after um, Peter. So um, they don't like his theology. They don't like anything that's going to damage the status quo for them. They don't want anything that may bring some change to their status quo, the way of, that they're doing and leading religion there at the temple. So it's a power thing. It's a theological thing. And you're going to see in the text here, it is going to become – this thing, things just – the book of Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new under the sun. The other issue that you're going to see here in this text was, is, is that Peter made it clear that if you accept this Jesus, you can't accept Jesus and the Sadducean way of doing things. Early Christians were called haters of humanity. We were called other things. But one of the reasons we were called haters of humanity, well, there's two reasons the early Christians were called haters of humanity. And I'll let you connect the dots to this era, our age. There were two reasons they were called haters of humanity. One, they said that everyone was in need of redemption. You know, everyone's a sinner. Everyone's guilty. Everyone's in need of redemption. Everyone needs the sacrifice of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the, the world. Everyone needs redemption. Well, there were people in first century, that looked at the Christian community said, you know, that's negative. You know, we're good people. You know, humans are basically good. So don't say humans are basically in need of redemption. Don't say that humans are basically in need of salvation, something that God needs to do. So yeah, we were called haters of humanity. And the other thing, the other reason why we were called haters of humanity, and and you're going to see a verse in this text that could not make it any clearer, the early Christians ran around and said, if you want to be saved from the guilt that you have, whether you acknowledge it or not, if you want to be saved from the guilt, you've got to embrace Jesus. You know, Jesus alone, Jesus only. Well, so not only was the early Christians running around saying, you need redemption, they're running around saying, there's one way to achieve redemption. And so the people in the culture were saying, you know, you're so negative and so exclusive. And that just riled up the people. And that's why for 2,000 years the people are still riled up. You know, people want to be told they're good, basically, and people want to be told that they have multitudes of choices. You know, you can't even settle for one kind of coffee anymore. (laughs) You've got a multitude of choices. That's that's our human nature. We want to be in control, and we want to choose, and we want to be able to uh, construct our own way of doing things. You know, in this culture, people have a hard time understanding why Christians are being killed around the world go to sudan go to nigeria there's plenty of places that are on the top 10 list now of where christians are being killed anyway so yeah they've riled people up here come here come the authorities in verse 1. verse 2 you notice they're greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in jesus the resurrection from the dead well sadducees don't believe in the resurrection of the dead They're the ones who did Jesus in. So they're they're angry on so many levels. So many levels. So, keep reading. Verse 3. And they arrested Peter and John. They arrested Peter and John and put them in custody until the next day. Watch this. They put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Well, the reason they put them in custody for the next day was it is against Jewish law? It was against Jewish law for the Sanhedrin. We'll talk about Sanhedrin in a moment. That's their Jewish supreme court. Seventy elders plus the high priest made seventy-one. It was illegal for the for the for the Sanhedrin these Sadducees to have a trial at night. Now notice that's why they're putting. Peter and John, in jail to the next morning. When did, they, when did they try Jesus? At night. That's how angry they were with Jesus. They were violating their own laws. Again, that with Jesus happened just a few weeks before this. Same crowd, but at least, you know, they, they, they had to go after Peter and John in the daylight. So the people were watching. So they had to put him in jail to do the trial the next day because the sun had already gone down. Now, Jesus, they went after him when? In the middle of the night, Garden of Gethsemane. And they did an illegal, illicit trial in the middle of the night, more than one, to get him on the cross by 9 a.m. the next morning. You know, when you attack the powers that be, they will do whatever to protect themselves. That's human nature. That's human history. That's what's happening here. But, but they had to get Peter and John during the day. So they're trying to show the people they're observing the law, even though they're freaking out a little bit here. Because, again, you, you recall, and you're going to hear it again in a moment, you recall that Luke, in the book of Acts, keeps giving you numbers to show you how rapidly the Christian movement's growing here in the city of Jerusalem. So on so many levels, the religious leaders are freaking out here in Jerusalem. So, yeah, but, you know, this day they put them in jail. They don't want to do an illegal trial in the night because they're bad to see it because they have, to, they have to do the trial the next day. Verse, verse 4, But many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of men, and that literally means men there. It's not counting women or children. but The number of men came um, to about 5,000. So Luke is trying to paint a picture here for you to show you how many, many, many Jews are receiving Jesus, 5,000. We just heard were 3,000. We just saw Pentecost with 120. So Luke's painting a picture for you of these Jews that are embracing Jesus. And Luke wants you to contrast that with those Jewish religious leaders who would do anything to stop the Jesus movement. So... Um, yeah, people are coming to believe in Jesus. That's putting these Sadducees, the power players, the aristocracy there in Jerusalem, in a bad place. You know, um, you know, it's like trying to go after some cubs and watch what the mother bear does. You know, people people can become very, very um, angry when they start becoming self protective of their power. Anyway, that's what's happened. Look at verse 5. On the next day, here comes the trial. They, they let them langu- languish in prison that night. But on the next day, they are the Jewish people. their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. Uh, you're going to see in a moment, this is the Sanhedrin, uh, the Supreme Court, the ruling council, the people that held power in Jerusalem unless the Roman procurator prefect showed up to keep the peace for a high holy day. But so they're all gathered together in Jerusalem. Verse 6, with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas. Hopefully you remember those names from the trials of Jesus. Caiaphas was the high priest in the day. You only had one high priest at a time with other priests. Now the problem was, and we know this because you've studied the book of John, I hope, at some point. You've studied the trials of Jesus in the book of John. You're told the same thing. You're told the same thing, that Annas is the high priest, but there's Caiaphas. What's going on here is Annas is really not the high priest, according to the Romans. In order to sort of keep these people under control, they appointed a new high priest every year. Well, the Jewish people said high priests were for life. Like we, you know, let a president keep the title president for life. They're, they're high priest for life. That's why whether it's the trial of Jesus or this one, you see that Caiaphas is there. Caiaphas is the son-in-law of Annas. And while Annas is, according to the Romans, not the high priest at this point, according to the Jews, he still is. He's still the power behind the ruling class. So Caiaphas has the office of high priest, but Annas, his father-in-law... Is really the high priest who the Jews are respecting because he he was he he had one year of being a high priest and they didn't think he rotated out of that like the Romans tried to make him so that's why and you learned all that in, in chapters 18, 19 of, of John's Gospel. This is the same crowd, the same people doing the same thing to to Peter and John they did to Jesus. So here's Annas, the high priest according to the people, and Caiaphas, the high priest, according to the Romans, John and Alexander, who we really don't know much about or anything about, and all who were of the high priestly family. Again, this was aristocracy, the Jewish aristocracy in in Jerusalem. Verse 7, And when they had set them, Peter and John, in their midst, they inquired. So here's the trial. By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter... And in the style of Acts, you expect it almost to say, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Now, you know, I'm sure Peter remembered, hope you remember, that Jesus told his followers, you will be dragged before the authorities. You will be dragged before the authorities on my behalf, but the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say when that day comes. Well, we're watching... The arrival of that day. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, given the words by the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders. Rulers of the people and elders. If we are being examined today concerning a good deed, they just done a good deed. They, they healed a lame man. They're, they just did a good deed and they're being accused of doing something criminal. But if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it, be, let it be known by all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name, the power, the authority, the spirit of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. And he does mean, you know, sometimes he's using the word you just sort of figuratively for Jewish religious leaders and some Jewish people. He means it very literally here, you, the people I'm looking at, Annas, Caiaphas, probably John and Alexander, you, you, crucified him. And he, he, they did just a few weeks before. You crucified him whom God raised from the dead. That complicated the lives of the Sadducees. By him, this man is standing well before you. So Jesus healed this man. Well, again, that's not making, making them happy. This Jesus... Verse 11, is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. We've already read that. That's a quotation from Psalm 118. Verse 12, and here is where their brains, the the religious leaders, the authority, the aristocracy, the people in power, their brain explodes. Verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we, including you, must be saved. Peter, that's so exclusive. Peter, that's so narrow minded. There's got to be many, many paths. There's got to be many, many paths up the hill. You get to the top of the hill and there's God, there's many ways to God. That's not a new argument. The Romans perfected that argument. It was not our culture that perfected that argument. The, again, keep in mind what the Romans did. And now these are Jews. Um, Says so really going after them, but you know the, the first century world had multitudes of gods. So you could go the way of Zeus. You can go the way of Aphrodite. You can go the way of Venus. You just choose your path, and you know all paths are created equal. So the Romans said that. Well, here comes here comes the Jewish people you know they, they have the Hebrew Bible and you know they, they esteem Moses and they esteem, well the Sadducees esteemed Moses and pretty much stopped there. but the Pharisees would have esteemed David and the prophets and the, the authors of the writings. Um, so here Peter boldly says verse 12. by the way I'm, this is a verse worth worth committing to memory. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, you know, I, I try really hard not, and I, I do it sometimes. I, I, sometimes I, I will try to defend God, I'll try to defend our scriptures. I don't know that we really need to. This is one of those verses that needs. The culture around us keeps coming after us for stuff like this. You know, like the culture around us just hates it. You know, it's amazing what verses the culture around us from the New Testament is known. They, 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 some of them seem to know Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And they hate that verse. It's got to mean something other than what it says. You know... um, My beloved United Methodist Church, when we um, did our book of worship, which we all use, and it put together our reading, I'm going to tell you one of my secrets, you can watch me. They they put together our reading, one of our readings in in our funeral service. One of the suggested readings there in front of me is selections from John 14, you know, uh, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me and my Father's house. There are many mansions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it goes all the way through. And, and John 14 is amazing. So it's selections from John 14 because you want to get there to the end of John 14 where Jesus says, my peace I give unto you, not the kind of peace the world gives do I give unto you. Anyway, we have selections from John 14 in front of us. Um, there's one verse that's left out in our book of worship. I always stick it in. Just just one of these days, I'm hoping an editor of the book of worship will be in the room so that his brain or her brain can explode. Even though it's not there in front of me, I I stick in. You know, because we, we, it reads, you know, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me and my Father's house or me dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and show you the way. I always stick in because it's not in front of me. Thomas said, Lord, how do we know the way? Jesus responded, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And then I pick back up with the reading of what's in my book of worship. I don't think it's accidental. John 14, 6 was not in there. Because we don't want to offend people, you know, and everybody's offended. They're perpetually offended in this culture, so it doesn't take much to offend people. But there, there are certain verses in the Bible that offends people. And, you know, just let me have my Bible. I, I, you know, just let me have it. I mean, I don't have to defend what's there. So, yeah, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but me but by me, um, that's there, here's, here's John, or Peter, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, given on earth under heaven, given on earth by which we must be saved. You know, I don't feel the need to try to defend God or the New Testament or the Jesus' followers. I just say that's what it says. And I understand that people don't like it. They have to deal with that. I I didn't write this. They have to deal with that. But I, as a Christ follower, I I feel compelled to not sort of make excuses for God and hide those verses away from public consumption. Because in this culture it offends people. Well, it offended people in that culture. Watch what's going on. Watch how they were they were watch how they responded to the um to the healing in the name of jesus now and, and watch how they're going to respond to what peter's saying to them now the world around us has never responded well to our message and um you know jesus said it would be this way you know they they, they persecuted me they'll persecute you the servant is not above his master in this world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer, for I have overcome this world. I mean, Jesus said it was going to be this way. So we shouldn't just lose our minds when the culture around us is offended by us. You know, go ahead and love them, show them unconditional kindness. But don't, don't just change the Christian faith because, you know, you want the culture around us to be okay with us. Now, what I want you also to notice here in this text, and it's throughout the book of Acts, Peter or it's going to become Paul later, and there's Philip a little bit in the middle. They are going to preach Jesus boldly. But, just like right here in this text, they're going to treat the people they're dealing with with respect, with kindness, with honor. They're not calling the high priest and the Sadducees' names. They're not being disrespectful to the Sanhedrin. So, you know, they're they, they're they're doing what they're doing boldly, but they're doing they're 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 making sure, like I had a good mentor one time tell me 20 some years ago, they're making sure that they always take the high road. They're being respectful, uh, but but they're saying what they have to say, you know, just just laying it out there, and not saying, and you know, by the way, you Sadducees, you're gonna go to hell if you don't like what I'm saying. They're being respectful. They're just laying it out there. Uh, that's, the, that's been the posture of the Jesus movement for 2,000 years. We expect people to disagree. We expect the world around us to not all accept what we're saying. We're haters of humanity. We believe humanity needs to be saved, redeemed, salvaged, delivered by the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, we believe that human nature has fallen. We believe that uh, we, need, we need redemption. And, and we believe redemption has been offered to us in Jesus Christ. And I just don't feel led to say, well, what's plan B? You know, I mean, if, if you want to look for plan B and create plan B and create plan B, go for it. You're probably braver than I am. I just see plan A in the New Testament, and I'm okay with plan A. There is no name name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. I try to build my faith on what I know, not what I don't know or what I wish or what is popular. Um, And that's always gotten the Christian community in trouble always gotten the Christian community in trouble. And again, look at verse 13. It's going to get these guys in trouble. They're already in trouble. They're hauled they're before the Sanhedrin, the council. All these people make up the Sanhedrin, the council. Um, but they're being polite. They're being respectful. They're saying what is truth. They're being bold, but they're not being, they're not being, you know, arrogant or disrespectful to the people there that you're talking to. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... Watch this. They saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men. The word there just means not formally educated. not And what that would mean is not theologically educated, like the Sadducees in front of them. When they saw their boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized they had been with Jesus So these people are looking at this, hearing this, and they're saying, well, bless your hearts, you're just so stupid. Yeah, you were some of those people that hung out with Jesus, and you're not enlightened, you're not among the elite, you haven't received the secret knowledge, yeah, you've been with Jesus. You know, I hope it means more when these people say they recognize, when the text says they recognize they've been with Jesus, hopefully. I don't think they mean that positively. I I would like to think that means they're they're acting like Jesus. They've been influenced by Jesus. The spirit of Jesus is in them. But really, the only thing the text is saying is, yeah, they they know that these are some of those uneducated Galilean fishermen who just don't know any better, and they hung out with the wrong crowd, Jesus, for a long time, and they they drank Jesus's Kool-Aid. And that's the way they're explaining what they're dealing with here. Again, the world... There's nothing new under the Sun there's nothing new under the Sun that's the way the world's always dealt with us you know bless your hearts you just don't you don't know any better you know you need to get with the program you need to let the enlightened ones tell you the 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 better truth Um, you need to take their truth and not your truth anyway there's nothing new under the sun. Look at verse 14. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Yeah, again, dead man getting up and walking, a lame man being healed, it's really hard to go against that. But people will do weird things to protect their power. You know, they will, they will rationalize away what is obvious to protect their power, to protect their status. Uh, to protect the status quo that is benefiting them. Verse 15, But when they ha- had commanded them to leave the council, that is the Sanhedrin, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? Yep. We, we, we've, we've always created an issue for the world around us. What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem... And we cannot deny it, but in, you know, they, they probably say, but we sure wish they didn't do it right here in the temple where we're at. Wish they'd done it up in Galilee in the middle of nowhere, where it wouldn't be a threat to our, our way of life. It wouldn't be a threat to our authority. It wouldn't be a threat to what we're preaching. Anyway, we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Don't don't speak any more about Jesus. Don't speak any more in the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus. You know you don't have to keep reading. Do you think they're going to be successful with Peter? This is a different Peter than you saw in the Gospels. He, he's, he's, you know, I encourage you. As you go through the book of Acts. Circle every reference you find to the boldness. Uh, one of the primary activities of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts is giving giving these simple, uneducated, common people that are preaching Jesus boldness to preach Jesus contrary to the culture. Um, but they're going they're going to try. They're going they're going to tell. Peter and John, don't don't, don't talk about this anymore. We can't let this spread. Um, Speak no more to anyone in this name. Verse 18, So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Yeah, you know it's not going to be successful what they want. Verse 19, But Peter and John answered them, and I think rather respectfully answered them. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. You know, they don't look at the Sanhedrin and say, you're a bunch of idiots. We're going to keep preaching. They just simply say, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, rather than God. I mean, you know, yeah, give them a question. Ask the Sanhedrin, which should we do? Obey you or obey God? Well, the Sanhedrin would have to say, well, you kind of got to obey God, I guess. So at this point, Peter asked a good question. You know, should we obey obey God or uh, obey you? Should we do what we know to be right or should we do what we know to be popular? Well, even the Sanhedrin would know how to answer that one. They don't want to answer that, but they know how to answer that. And, you know, notice, too, what Peter's saying, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. They spent 40 days with the resurrected Jesus. So they cannot say, well, yeah, it really didn't happen. It was just a mirage. It was group hysteria. You know, we just were so remembering Jesus, it felt like he'd come back from the dead. So he's saying, you know, we have to speak. Verse 21, And when they had further threatened them, there's nothing new under the sun, and when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. Yeah, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, they, they want to keep the people happy. Because as long as the people are happy and calm and at peace, and there's unity among all the people, they get to rule. They get to rule on behalf of Rome. So even the Sanhedrin kind of backs away at this point. And notice what's happening. These simple, uneducated, bless their hearts, fishermen from the Galilee are causing the Sanhedrin to just kind of back off. Back off. Um finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For this man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So they knew this man who had been healed of his lameness was more than 40 years old, had been lame all of his life. So it's hard to say, well, his adrenaline just got to pump really good, really well. That's why he jumped up and ran around. We just, he just thought he was lame for 40 years. Um, so, yeah, it's hard for them. But notice what they're doing. Even though the sign was there, the work, the miracles there that confirmed the preaching. Like my grandma used to say, some people will argue with the sign and take the wrong road home. Because people are so protective of their power, their status, their control. Um, yeah, they're backing off. The Sanhedrin's backing off. Now, they're not believing any of this stuff. They, they, um, And, you know, they've seen the lame man walk. And by the way, they have not said, we can take you to the corpse of Jesus. Notice they don't say that one. They don't deny resurrection. They just, you know, here's Peter saying Jesus was raised from the dead, and here they are saying we don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They're not saying, let, let us take you and show you a corpse of Jesus. We know where he's buried at. No, so they're not saying that. And they're not saying, okay, the man's not healed. Yeah, some people argue with the sign, take the wrong, wrong road home. Because they're protecting their status, their position, their role, their income. Yeah, go, go. one of my favorite places to go to in Jerusalem is called the, the, the Burnt Houses. You get to go underground in Jerusalem. And you get to see the ruins underground of some of these Sadducean homes. And you see some of the stuff in the museum that was excavated out of these Sadducean homes. They were thriving under Roman occupation. Because Jerusalem was theirs, except when Rome came to town. And they were not going to let any... A dead man walking could not convince them of anything that God was doing because they were so protective of, of their status, their role. Anyway, um, yeah, nothing new under the sun. So um, I can't read the book of Acts and look at 2,000 years of church history. And say, you know, if you haven't irritated some people about your faith, you, you need to get on with it. Um, yeah, um, we are respectful, we're kind, we're gracious to everyone, <clears throat> but we do have some lines in the sand that we can't that we can't cross, and that's what's been getting us persecuted, killed for 2,000 years. You know. um You know, even this past Sunday in our Eucharistic prayer for All Saints Sunday, I love All Saints Sunday. We remember those of our number who's gone to the other side. We remember the communion of the saints. We remember um, how that communion is eternal. The church is one, whether in heaven or on earth. The communion of the saints, the fellowship of the saints, is an eternal, ongoing communion. And I love that Eucharistic prayer. It goes through this litany, you know, where we remember Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, and it goes through on and on and on. It goes through, um, you know, uh, Joshua and Deborah, and it goes through the prophets and the martyrs. One of the things I love that's in the liturgy of the Roman Catholic Church is at the funeral, um, you make a statement about, may, talking about the deceased, you know, may be, Peter and John and James and Andrew, may the saints welcome you and may the martyrs welcome you. Yeah, you know, when you get there one of these days, you'll meet a lot of martyrs. And you need to say thank you to them. And that number of people who are being martyred for Christ is growing in, in the world and continues to grow. We forget that there's martyrs. One of the things I keep in one of my Bibles is a, is a, modern, is a modern icon. That was just recently created. Of 20, I think it's 21, 21 Christians who were taken out on the shore of the 21 Coptic Christians in Egypt. They were taken, actually, I think it was Libya. They were taken taken out on the shore of the Sea of the Mediterranean, and all 21 were beheaded. And they they accepted beheading at the at the hands of some radical. Muslims, they accepted beheading rather than renounce Christ. Yeah, well, you know, in this world, we're just being called to offend people occasionally. Around the world, people are dying for Christ. Again, more people died for Christ in the 20th century than any other Christian century because the number of Christians is greater. And that number will, that 21st century will be the same. You know, in the in the 20th century, a lot of it had to do with totalitarian governments because, again, You go after totalitarian government with these exclusive claims of Christianity. You go after totalitarian government saying, if I have a choice between obeying men or obeying God, I'm obeying God. Um, That's why, under like the totalitarian communist regime in um, China, they would let you have a church, but you had to register the church. And they had ultimate control over the church. That's why you had a large underground Christian church in China who said, no, no, that's not the way we do it. The church is not under the authority of the state. So in the 20th century, it's mostly Christians dying at the hand of totalitarian governments. Now it's uh, the totalitarian governments. We don't have the fascists and the communists quite like we used to. We still have some around. Now it's radical Islam. That's why in those countries like Nigeria and Sudan, um, Christians are dying every day and other places around the world. Um, I had a a friend of mine who felt called of God to go as a missionary among the Islamic world, where it's illegal. So, of course, he went to teach English. He went to teach English, and that was his daytime job. But he was really there, and this is happening all over the world today. Uh, There's still people who are going into Muslim areas to proclaim Christ, teach Christ. You can't go into Muslim areas and say, hey, I'm a Christian missionary. Can I come and hang out with you for a while? No, you can't. That's why even in Jerusalem, you cannot proselyte because of the Jewish power. So, you know, you got to go in and be an English teacher. It's easy to be been English teacher. Everybody wants to learn English to do commerce with us. You can go anywhere in the world and teach English. And so my friend went to an Islamic country. Um, he went under the old communist regime to Kazakhstan. So it was communist and mostly Muslim. And he took his eight children with him. And his wife. She had to go, too. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when God calls you to do something, you can't say to God, God, give me plan B This easier. I need something a little bit more comfortable. And there, you know, we just, about the most we're ever called to do in this culture is offend somebody because of our Christian faith. We need to be gracious um, when we offend people. But there are certain things, you know, my children were growing up, and they would say, why can't we do certain things? I'd just say, particularly when they were younger, later on we had more debates. but when they were younger, I would just say because Caleb, Elizabeth were Christian. We're a Christian family. That's why certain things we can't do. You know, later on it became more of a debate when I had to explain to them why, you know, why um, I'll say this just to get your blood pumping. As you leave, as I finish, gonna finish today. You know that's why I would say to my kids, no, we do not play the lottery. Because uh, you know, give me an hour, and I give you the Christian reasons, the biblical reasons, I do not play the lottery. And the Methodist church says you can't either if you happen to be Methodist. But we ignore that one. Um, uh, anyway, so sometimes I just told my um, my my, my childrens because I'm. Christian, we're a Christian family. I can't. We, we don't. There's some things we don't do. Some things we don't do. And um, yeah, we are just called to kind of stand faithfully, and at times offend people if that's what people choose. You know, I don't mean to offend people because of my faith in Jesus and my faith in Jesus. The New Testament Jesus offends people. Um, I don't mean to offend them, but it will do that. You know, I, I cannot in clear conscience. As a Christian, say, "Okay, you, you, you can. Jesus is a way. Buddha's a way. Um, one of the Hindu, one of the 300,000 Hindu gods may be a way. I, I, that's between you and God. If you want to do Buddha, one of the 300,000 Hindu gods, or if you want to do secular humanism, that's between you and God. But I, as a Christian, cannot say, oh, there's many paths. You choose yours. I'll choose mine.'" You know, I, I've got the book in front of me, and it says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Um, You've got, you got to work that out as to how you're going to do this. But just know the culture hasn't changed. The culture doesn't like to be told they need to be saved. We need to be saved from ourselves our sin, our selfishness, that we need to be saved, and Jesus is the way. Yeah, that is offensive on so many levels to the culture around us. And, um, and there, are, there are large groups of Christians who opt out for the culture more than they opt out for their Christian faith. Sometimes you just go along to get along. And I love getting along with people. I really do. I mean, you know, I I don't wake up in the morning thinking, well, how can I offend people (laughs) to make my life more complicated? But, you know, there's times we just don't have a choice. That's Peter and that's John here. And this is not the last time you're going to see this in the book of Acts. There's a reason you got the four Gospels and then you got the book of Acts giving you 28 chapters where uh, Luke is saying this is how it is going to be. If you're going to be a Christ follower. Anyway, it's probably a good place to stop. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for what you've done for us in Jesus Christ, what you're doing in us because of Jesus Christ, what you've called us to do for the sake of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, help us, when necessary, take the road less traveled. Help us, when less is necessary, to take the less comfortable route. Help us, when necessary, to stand for you and continue to love the people around us. And, God, we, we pray for protection, but we pray also, Lord, that above all else, we will be found faithful to Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Go in peace. Make some new friends. Great seeing everybody.